live in a dangerous and unpredictable world. Markets turn and economies crash without warning. Staying ahead of the investment game is more difficult than ever. Join me, Alameen Templeton, every day between 7 and 8 p.m. on Business Matters for concise news and analysis of important events that are shaping the world, your life, and your pocket. You snooze, you lose. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to another edition of Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton. And boy, have we got an interesting world that we're living in. Yeah, there's all kinds of terrible things happening in ESCOM. Uh, somebody tried to call up Brian Malefi today, the former chief executive, and ask him, what's going on? What happened? We, you know, he says, I, I don't know, I'm in the dark. Ah, <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> I guess he's not the only one. And I guess when you're no longer the chief executive of ESCOM, you have to suffer the blackouts along with everyone else. Um, things going on on the JSE today. Uh, the biggest, most watched shares are on our local stock exchange. We've got Steinoff, a whole lot of stuff happening with Steinoff now. The PwC report uh, came out on Friday. We still don't really know if it's cast any more light onto things. Um, Steinoff said they've got the report and uh, they might be releasing They'll be recently releasing it, but they're not giving any names. Well, a few names came out in Parliament today, so we'll be getting onto that a little bit later. Um, uh, also coming up in our show today, we have we have credit bureaus and etols. Uh, Alta was uh, out there yesterday, warning people that you're going to get blacklisted uh, and uh, you need to approach Alta to get you to help solve your problems. Mm, it seems as though they've overdone it a bit there. Uh, we've got U.S. and trade deals. Uh, Things are going south to the western side of the Atlantic. The European Union is increasingly uh, critical of uh, US, what it calls U.S. selfishness in negotiating trade deals and uh, making its demands and demanding that everyone follow suit on the international arena. Cops are closing in on Steinhoff, as we say. We'll be getting to that a little bit later. Uh, Prime Minister Pravin Gordon uh, held a press conference today on uh, his uh, tour of, of the ESCOM power station to find out what's going wrong. Um, he had a few things to say, uh, but I find it difficult to forget that Gordon and uh, our president, Sir Ramaphosa, who promised to fix everything there, were actually part of the presidential task team, uh, the last one, I think in 2017, early 2018, uh, who were supposed to go and fix things at ESCOM, and well... Well, now we've got Gordon. <laughs> oh dear, we've got Gordon and uh, Ramaphosa as the two big deals, the two big wheels now, trying to get things turning at ESCOM. And uh, um, well, I don't know. It's a bit like, uh, yes, we're going to get rid of corruption, but we're going to reelect the same ministers who who are. We're going to appoint the same ministers uh, to our election team going into our May elections. And, uh, well, that's hardly a clean, a new broom sweeping clean. They say the old broom knows the corners. <laughs> and it seems that there are a lot of dark corners uh, in our government today. And there's other news out today. There's a new free-to-air TV channel opening up. I don't know if that's quite uh, the kind of topic uh, for uh, a Muslim radio station. Uh, but the thing is uh, that uh, all of this relates to, it relates to, well, it, I mean, it's opening up the public opinion in as much as it's really the public opinion, or perhaps it's just like the twisted logic of a few um, repressed journalists who never really made it on the soccer field and uh, now want to try and uh, take their 
their child their, their childhood traumas out on the nation. Uh, whether or not that's a national debate is another matter. Do we really have a national debate in South Africa, given uh, the size of our country uh, and uh, the fierce determination by the mainstream media to kind of like lock down our national debate into neoliberal uh, tendencies uh, to circumscribe its expansion into other areas to prevent us from thinking about other things other than uh, what are the credit bureaus going to say about our country. Uh, you know, there's more to what we can do than worry about credit bureaus and foreign investors. Um, uh, for one thing, maybe maybe we should make it illegal um, for financial advisors to advise their clients to take money out of the country. Because, like, you know, um, uh, it has been that way since 1994. It has been a common trend uh, that you take your money out of the country, take your money out of the country, go invest overseas. Because, of course, uh, financial advisors get a lot more money uh, sending your money overseas because they'll have people who can pay them in pounds for sending them stuff. They've got people who got dollars can pay them. They've got people who can pay them in euros. And that's much nicer money than this pathetic little rand that we get. And, of course, if they're always going to be paid in euros and dollars and uh, pounds, well, then it's always in the interest to see the rand going down, isn't it? Now, is that a mean and nasty way of looking at our trading community? Um, I, I worked in uh, Santon a few years ago, and I, I used to wonder um, if somebody dropped an atom bomb on Santon and killed all of the accountants, all of the lawyers, all of the fund managers, all of the bankers, all of the uh, traders, all, all of the brokerages on the JSE, if they're all just obliterated in one day, what would happen? Would the country be better off or worse off? Well, I think, I think one thing that would happen is the country would start having to look to find its own ways of, of getting things done. And if you think about uh, that, uh, I mean, it used to amaze me that, like, really, the size of that community that you're speaking about, I mean, how big is it? I mean, how many, how many people populate that, uh, that particular part of the system? Um, is it... 20,000 people, 10,000 people, 5,000 people, is it more like 1,000 people? I mean, how, how valuable is the stock exchange to South Africa? Oh, well, you know, um, how, how many people does the stock exchange feed and, uh, and all of these various uh, modern uh, economy uh, uh, access that we have. How, how many people actually benefit from it? Do, does the country benefit from it? I mean, uh, look at all the money that they're always saying, take your money out of the country, take your money out of the country, take your money out of the country. And then, you know, big businesses, they sit on huge, big uh, cash piles and they, and they don't invest it. Instead, they kind of like live with the interest and that's really nice for banks because it parks it in their deposits all the time. Um, or they've got it invested in a friend's business and that friend has got it invested in his business and uh, the money sits there. It's not been invested into the wider economy. Uh, so why? Why is... I mean, I, I do have qualms about... Um, <clears throat> and for some reason, the term, the term that's always escaping my head is uh, when the government says you must invest in these. All funds, all banks... 
uh, must in all pension funds and so on, uh, medical aids. They must invest their money. Fifteen percent of their money must be invested in South African bonds. Thirty uh, percent must be invested in South African uh, state-owned enterprises, or you know something like that. So that's what they did during apartheid, and white people didn't complain. But now it, it seems as though this is a terrible thing to do. You get uh, those old frightened white men like Magnus Haystack who always say, No, you must take your money out of the country. Oh, no, man, look at the property market. It's no good. And, uh, you know, they ignore the fact that, like, you know, Europe, United States, Japan, and China, all these magnificent, magnificently huge economies are all living on life support. All of them, quantitative easing. You know, China knows that if it doesn't continue sending cheap goods to the United States, the United States is going to go bankrupt. And then the, the three trillion plus dollars that uh, China has bought in U.S. securities is going to go, poop, just going to disappear overnight. So, so you know, they both kind of like uh, massaging each other while trying to grab as much as they can. Um, and that, of course, brings us on to... On to uh, trade deals and the selfishness of the United States, oh, well, you know, do things change? The more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, I think I could have been talking about this stuff 10 years ago, but maybe in 20 years' time, if I started talking like this, people would be saying, mm, well, yeah, he's talking about today. I mean, <clears throat> is it really today? <laughs> will people still be worrying about being blacklisted by e-tolls um, uh, in 20 years' time? It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. The ANC said they're going to bring free power to the people. And that was 24 years ago, and we're still waiting. We're still waiting. Okay, right. Okay, let's get in, let's get into the market. We'll check out all the all the various indicators in the, on the market, and and then we'll get into some meteor stuff. Uh, the B foremost view chairs on the JSE today. Uh, it's a sort of like a rogues gallery, quite on a, on a regular basis. And Nuspaus is in fourth place, uh, but I don't think uh, that can be included in the Rose Gallery, considering that one Nuspaus share today will cost you 3,260 rands, 93 cents. Hmm, that's a far cry from Steinhoff, which used to be at 95 rands and is now at 1 rand 88, and it's dropped 4.6% today. Uh, you know, uh, police told Parliament today that uh, they've been investigating one case uh, from Steinhoff, and they haven't finished it yet. They started it a year ago. Steinhoff has got so many deals that need to be investigated, so many fun companies and uh, ghost boards and so on, that uh, uh, basically it would seem that the police have thrown up their hands and said, ah, 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 we don't know what's happening here, man. Uh, and, of course, Parliament's not very happy about that, but a little bit later, and that kind of news isn't doing Steinhoff's share price any good. It's sitting on one rand eighty-eight. Down 4.6% on the day. Sabania, the gold producer, is also one of the most viewed shares on the ShareNet's uh, uh, internet site. Uh, Sabania is on 16 Rand 19. It's up 6% on the day. Uh, obviously, people hoping that uh, the court ruling that the wider sympathy strike that uh, AMCO had asked for won't be going ahead on its plants. Uh, people climbed into Sabania today, uh, second most watched share. 
Sassel is the third most watched share, 465 rand 23, still doing very nicely. Uh, petrol price is not doing too badly. For other, I think break-even for Sassel is at 50 rand, if my memory serves me correctly. And uh, the oil price around about $60, I mean 50 rand, I mean $60 uh, a barrel. Uh, it's, uh, I mean $50 there. Excuse me, uh, my mind is kind of like wandering as I'm talking and trying to look for the next thing that's coming up. Excuse me for that. Sassel is on 456 rand 23 today. I believe it's break even price per dollar uh, per barrel of oil is 50 rand. And uh, well, you know, yesterday they were saying that oil prices were at 67 dollars a barrel, but now I see that Brent crude is on 59 dollars a barrel today. But nevertheless, that's still a cushion for uh, for Sassel, and they're doing quite nicely off the oil price at the moment. I'm sure they'd, they'd uh, wish it to be much higher, uh, but of course everyone else of the country wants it to be much lower. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember you used to have a Sassel ratio that uh, you know the 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 amount of money they got from government would be this much if the oil price was this much, and if the oil price increased, then da 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 da. But now Sassel, uh, you know, continues making money while uh, whether it's cloudy or whether it's sunny. Uh, okay, enough of that. Uh, on the top 40 uh, today, 50,628.69, up 0.48%. Uh, the all share index on 57,099. Sure, like sort of on the nose, 57,000.99, and uh, it's 0.41% up for the day. Uh, the rand uh, has increased against the pound and lost ground against the dollar and the euro. It's on 14.45 to the dollar. I think it's one cent difference between today and yesterday. It's uh, 19.14 against the pound. I think it was like 19.20 yesterday. And at 16.39 to the euro, it was around about 16.29 yesterday. All right, gold is on $1,308.69, so it's risen above uh, the 1300 mark. Um, whether or not that's going to continue, whether or not that makes much difference, I'm not really sure. Um, main winners on the JSE today, Sibanya up at 6.02%. AECI, the Chemicals and Explosives Manufacturer, is on 4.55% up. It's the second biggest winner. Today, Sassel, the third biggest, on a 4.52% up. Exaro, the mining group, is up 3.36%. And Richemont, the luxury goods retailer, is on 2.87 for the day. Uh, the JSE itself was the biggest loser on the JSE today. It fell 6.14%. We should call it the FTSE JSE. It's, uh, it's owned by the FTSE. Did you know that? I'm, uh, I know. Well, you know, maybe that's my fault for not calling it the FTSE JSE, but I don't call it the FTSE JSE because I'm a South African. Uh, but you must know that it's actually not um, uh, the South African-owned JSE. It's like the banks in South Africa. The South Africa's Reserve Bank is, in actual fact, the British-owned South African Reserve Bank. If you go and look at all of the shareholders, we were going on about that yesterday. Um, only Standard Bank is the only bank, uh, well, actually you've got uh, Capitec Bank, but Capitec is basically just uh, rolling out uh, a computer program for an American bank. Um, so whether or not Capitec is really a South African bank is a, a matter for discussion. Uh, but definitely the other banks other than Standard are British-owned banks, and I think that's very unhealthy for us, uh, given Britain's support for wars all around the world. That's not a very nice thing. In fact, I think Britain and America and France should be boycotted. 
Uh, yeah, but, well, actually, you know, I, 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 every time I say that to Muslims, they burst out laughing and they say, what, you want us to stop buying Nike? Yeah, that's kind of like the general response you get. Hmm. Yeah, Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, a people who uh, wear the, who who uh, change their appearances to look like another people are from those people. But anyway, apparently that doesn't really hold much uh, water with Muslims nowadays. Uh, he said, sitting in his studio with his kurta on. <sighs> oh, I feel so holy now. <laughs> okay, so uh, second loser, biggest loser on the JSC today was Vivo, the Shell uh, service stations across the rest of Africa. High prop, the property group, uh, third biggest loser, Hammerson is down 3.98%, and Motus, this, the car spares retailer, is down 3.68%. Oh, well, okay, right. Those are the fun fundamentals of the JSE out of the way. I don't know if they really do contribute to your understanding of the markets and the economy. <clears throat> uh, in fact, you know, when I was a young and uh, bright journalist uh, back in the 90s, I used to say, you know what, we should actually be quoting the brick prices. How much does a uh, hundred bricks cost you today? Uh, coal prices and paraffin prices are probably closer to... Uh, to economic indicators than gold and the JSE all share. Uh, you know, in terms of knowing what's going on with your economic environment, uh, how much does uh, household electricity cost in Johannesburg compared to Cape Town? Um, uh, what other would be good indicators? Uh, toll fees, toll roads. Um, a litre of milk. What's the cheapest litre of milk you can buy in your neighbourhood? Uh, for a while it was Orange Grove milk uh, here in Lanasia. Um, checkouts. Doing a really great job, I must admit. Checkout supermarkets. Uh, they they had a special promotion with Orange Grove milk. You could buy a two litre Orange Grove milk uh, for, for 20 rands, for 19 rand 99. Uh, that was a good deal. Every now and then you get long life milk. You can get for around about 10 rand a litre. And, of course, you've got to shop around for that kind of thing. So, like, you know, on, the, on those stronger indicators of, you know, what are vegetable prices at the taxi rank compared to vegetable prices at uh, the checkers? Uh, Johannesburg Council a few years ago did a survey, and they found that uh, you can buy vegetables cheaper from the hawkers on the side of the road than you can in checkers. Now, how can it be that checkers, with that huge, big distribution network that they have, with the millions of rands they have in their pockets, with all of those specialized and trained buyers out there buying for them, why is it that, that checkers can't sell you vegetables cheaper than a guy standing on the side of the road? That's a very good question, and I still haven't received a satisfactory answer. You could say overheads, 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 and I'll say, yeah, yeah, the, the, the director's fees, the director's bonuses, uh, dividends to shareholders. These are the reasons why vegetable prices are so high in South Africa, in the supermarkets, uh, that an, an individual trader who usually doesn't even have a car has got to go and buy stuff from a, from a bucky that goes there early in the morning and comes to a regular place and they go buy the stuff there. That guy in the bucky can buy it cheaper than checkers can get it. The people who buy it from the bucky guy, they can sell it cheaper than checkers can sell it. Something doesn't add up there, does it? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it, it reminds me actually, you know what, 
before going into the day's news. No, no, wait. And in, in fact, uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll remember this one. Um, getting old, you know, getting my 50, my turning 55 this year. Good heavens above. Where has all the time gone? Um, no, I've forgotten the point I was going to speak about. <laughs> I really am. Yeah, I, I am starting to lose it. Okay, we're gonna go. We, we we're gonna get back to like sort of vegetable prices and and how how vegetable prices uh, played an intrinsic role in terms of getting the indigenous population in South Africa into uh, the money economy. A uh, very interesting story in Kimberley, Kimberley diamond mines back in the 1800s. Uh, Black peasant farmers were producing vegetables cheaper than the very rich uh, white farmers around Kimberley. And and this was causing such a major problem that Cecil John Rhodes had to intervene and pass a law to force black people into the money economy. People like to think about it as being, yeah, oh yeah, the black people came into the money economy because they could see they could buy Nike and they could buy Jordan shoes and so on. But that wasn't the reason. It wasn't the bright lights. So the lights been switched out in their homes by the uh, imperialists like Cecil John Rhodes that forced them into the money economy. It wasn't because of the superiority of the money economy. Because if the money economy was superior, it would have been able to produce vegetables cheaper than peasant farmers around Kimberley around about 1876, 79. Right, credit bureaus in ETOLs. So Business Tech is reporting today that the Credit Bureau Association has reassured them after they called them up after Outer's press release yesterday saying... Um, Sanral has now started blacklisting people. Give us a call. Of course, so you know, people start saying, yeah, no, we must support Outer now. Um, you know, you run a charity and you get money into your charity and then you keep a lot of the money for yourself and you do very little with the results. I mean, did you know that um, I think it's like around about 17% is, uh, is the requirement, the legal requirement for charities they have to give out 17, yeah, 1-7, not 7-0, of the money that they gather. So you can imagine, like, it's a hugely profitable business to be in the charity business. You can make so much money. Huh? You, can keep, you can keep 83% of the money that you get for yourself. You can say, no, well, this is going into office fees, this is going to administration fees, this is going to specialist fees, you know. Uh, 17% that's all they keep so every time when you reassure yourself that okay I know it's around but I'm desperate and, and at least I'm giving to charity when I go and I fill in a, um, um, uh, a lotto ticket uh, you're, you're, you're not giving you're giving almost nothing to charity you're giving almost nothing to charity in, fee, in fact you're feeding systemic corruption so anyway, so okay, right, okay. So that's um, you know, form a charity, form an NGO, and you can get fat, and you do nothing, and then every now and then you've got to go and find a victim, and uh, start chatting up and down about the victim. People remember you, and they send you money, and then you sit quiet for a little while, and maybe that's what's happening with Alta. Uh So anyway, Business Tech today took uh, the uh, good journalist uh, decision to actually phone up the career bureaus and find out now what, uh, what's happening here now, here now with, the, with the ETOLS thing. And the career bureau uh, actually replied and said that uh, road users will not be blacklisted if they don't pay their ETOLS. Uh, they said uh, uh, 
that uh, the Transport Laws and Related Matters Amendment Act of 2013, which amended the South African National Roads, the Sanro and National Roads Act of 1998, specifically excludes, specifically excludes the levying and collecting of e-tolls from the provisions of the National Credit Act 2005. So look here now. Uh, either Sanro hasn't done its homework, Oh, uh, either that or, you know, Samuel's got the same kind of idiots working for it that are working, you know, but they're probably, um, we're looking around for an accountant. They found someone who'd just been fired by ESCOM. Uh, and so they've hired them. Uh, so this guy is like trying to get the money back from people and calling the credit bureaus a whole of the names and the names aren't appearing. He doesn't know that. So either Sanrol doesn't know its business or it's Outer that doesn't know its business. But in gathering that it was Outer that was making all the noise, about an incorrect fact, it would appear that it was outer that doesn't know its business. I mean, you can't argue with that. The Transport Laws and Related Matters Amendment Act of 2013, which amended the South African National Roads Agency Limited and National Roads Act of 1998, specifically excludes the levying and collecting of e-tolls from the provisions of the National Credit Act of 2005. So... That's uh, the Credit Bureau Association speaking. It says the Credit Bureau's receive, hold, display, and remove consumer information in accordance with the provisions of the NCA and are accordingly not able to hold information which is specifically excluded from the provisions of the Act. So on behalf of the represented credit bureaus, they would like to con- advise consumers that information relating to ETOLs and SANROL will not be held at the credit bureaus. So they can't blacklist you. Uh, so if you haven't paid, like me, I, I just I just like pretended that it was just like pretty purple lights on the highway when I used to go in and out. I mean, uh, it, it really is. That was a scam in the May. And, and I mean, that was a scam that was, uh, that was rolled out with PowerPoint speak. You know, people get together in a hall. You've got a whole lot of public relations people. You've got a whole lot of accountants who want to get a lot of money out of the, out of the government. You've got a whole lot of government guys who've been paid by the public relations people to give the money over to the, to the people who want the money from the government. And everyone's sitting there like a bunch of dirty thieves. And uh, they put a PowerPoint presentation on the wall and one guy goes up there with, he's got his magic marker, his magic pointer, and he's got his little laser thing, or he's got like an extendable telescopic pointer thing. And he says, yes, and we've got this thing, and these are going to be the controls. These are going to be the benefits, and we've done a SWOT analysis, and they say we've got the, the sustainable income streams are expected to diversify as our product base becomes far more sophisticated in the years going forward. The consumers are undoubtedly going to be very happy with paying e-tolls on these new highways that we're going to build them at inflated costs and the construction companies are going to be making so much money out of it and now they're all going bankrupt and no one cares about that. I'm sorry it's not part of my speech today but nevertheless, look, I've got a very nice laser point and I'll point it in your eye if you start asking me nasty questions. And then once everyone is happy that the PowerPoint display has basically like united them in crime, they go off and they roll it out into public and it's never, ever, ever going to work. How are you going to get people who uh, do not pay for electricity to suddenly start paying for something else that they've never paid for before? Um, It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. What cuckoo cloud land are you living on? Are you crazy? It's never, ever going to happen. 
You're going to have to try and sell this to the people. Like in the old days, you'd have to go through the trade unions and then, oh yeah, then that's right, the trade unions were brought on board, as were the taxi organizations. But anyway, all right, so if you uh, are worried that you haven't paid your Sanral uh, levies, don't, because Sanral is not going to be able to blacklist you anyway. All right, so now we're going to have to go across for a uh, marketplace news and we'll be coming back in just a little while. Don't go away. Let me just catch my... Yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't go away. We'll be back in a while. We live in a dangerous and unpredictable world. Markets turn and economies crash without warning. Staying ahead of the investment game is more difficult than ever. Join me, Alameen Templeton, every day between 7 and 8 p.m. on Business Matters for concise news and analysis of important events that are shaping the world, your life, and your pocket. You snooze, you lose. Oh, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back. Uh, you're with me, Alameen Templeton, your host on the show Business Matters. Uh, if you wish to give us a call, Lakolo is always telling me, oh, come on, you forgot to give the telephone number again. Uh, if you wish to give us a call, share views with us and uh, and uh, other listeners. Our number is 010-001-004. Promise, I won't be rude, I'll be very kind. And uh, our WhatsApp number is 084-786-3132. Let me give you those numbers again. The telephone number is 010-001-004. Or you can WhatsApp us on 084-786-3132. Right, so we're just saying uh, before the break, that uh, the law has made it clear, the legislation makes it clear that Sanral and Etols are specifically excluded uh, from uh, being referred to the credit bureaus. The National Credit Act has made it clear that this is not part of, of credit expansion, and so therefore it is not part of uh, the, the National Credit Bill, National Credit Act. Uh, which is supposed to be there to control credit expansion and uh, the way in which it is rolled out. So, therefore, it is not part of the... You can't be blacklisted. You can't be blacklisted. Okay, but nevertheless, Sanwell does have a little pocket pit bull with it, and that is called ETC, a company called ETC. It is said this week that it is going to be going after those who refuse to pay e-tolls by seeking default judgments against them. But if you're just like an individual little driver like me, you've got your 1988 uh, Honda Ballard, uh, they're probably not going to be coming after you. Uh, they are probably going to be going after the bigger fish, uh, that is companies and so on, that are fleets of cars, you know. Uh, so... There's, uh, there, there's somewhere where you can uh, actually get something substantial. So if they do start going after people, they're probably going to first start going after the corporations, uh, which isn't that bad a thing, unless, of course, you're an owner of a corporation. If you're an owner of a corporation, well, then maybe you should sleep a little bit with one eye open. Uh, but even then, they're not going to be able to blacklist your corporation or impair your credit record in any way. But they will be able to get the default judgment against you. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, then you get into, like, you know, contempt of court and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, it's all going to depend on just how rigorously Sanral and ETC, it's Pitbull, are going to uh, pursue this thing. 
coming up with elections, you're probably going to be able to sleep nicely until after after May 8, unless, of course, you've got somebody in the DA <laughs> wants to blame it on the ANC. Maybe you've got the EFF as like, like launching a campaign to uh, invade central offices and take it over. Uh, anyway, uh, default judgments arise when a debtor does not respond to or defend a summons. ETC's Kunifer Mark uh, says drivers would have received sufficient notice, firstly via SMS to settle their account. Following that, a letter of demand is then sent, and if ignored, it is followed by a summons, and then we apply to the courts for a default judgment. Uh, Alta recently warned Sanwell was pushing ahead with its plan, but, well, let's see if they get their default judgments and who they'll be going after. So, yeah, okay, so it's a lot of, uh, a lot of worry, uh, but... I reckon they, they're illegitimate. I know we're supposed to, as Muslims, to obey the law, but obeying the law to the letter nowadays, I don't know, it feels almost like a sin in itself. Um, yeah, all right. Okay, European Commission Vice President Jirki Katainen said today, Washington's selfish approach to trade is not sustainable. I'd agree with that. It's not sustainable. Um, in fact, you know, I was speaking to uh, a brother of mine a few years ago, and uh, we'd been speaking about, you know, it was it was just before the credit crunch in 2008, or maybe it was shortly after the credit crunch in 2008. Um, and uh, he asked me, so so what on earth do you think is is America doing then? And I said, you know, um, looking at it, it strikes me that actually what America is doing is it is dismantling all of the institutions that have made it great. The World Trade Organization, United Nations, that made it, you know, a huge big leader, the superpower in the world. Uh, it's starting to undo all of those things. The international trading um, environment, uh, the, the, uh, the World Trade Organization, trade rules, um, Credit swaps between countries, holding gold on behalf of other nations, uh, holding reserves on behalf of other nations. All of these things are turning very dodgy. If your country has its gold held by America, there's no guarantee that America is going to give it back to you. If it doesn't like you on the day, it is not going to give it to you. Look what happened to Venezuela. Look what happened with um, Muammar Gaddafi's gold, the Libyan gold, all ended up in France. Will you be able to get your gold back if America is holding your gold? Germany has already applied to have all of their gold removed. And if memory serves me correctly, there was a problem with that. Perhaps we'll have a look into that for another show. Uh, so um, um, if, if you have a look at what's happening with the SEC, the, the Securities Exchange Commission in the United States, they refuse. So you, you go and look at what the gold bugs they were going on and on about. I don't know if they still go on and on about it. But like um, uh, the amount of gold trades in the market are like 100 to 1 compared to the actual physical gold that is available. So most of the gold that's been sold today is in actual fact paper gold. Uh, and uh, they said that the amount of, of paper gold outnumbers physical gold like 100 to 1. Uh, so many uh, of these exchange-traded funds like SPDF, that's the biggest uh, gold, privately owned uh, uh, holder of gold in the world, uh, when it sells you, um, when it sells you gold, 
you're not really, are you, are you really buying gold or are you just buying a piece of paper? And if you're just buying a piece of paper, aren't then those exchange-traded funds then actually turning into uh, reserve banks? Are they going to be the next reserve banks? Are cryptocurrencies going to replace them? Uh, or are cryptocurrencies also just going to disappear into the ether? Um, a bit like the dot-com phenomenon. Remember, 2001, the dot-com phenomenon crashed. You see, America had been struggling with low growth uh, all the way through the 90s. Alan, Spann, Alan Greenspan's years of easy credit, uh, where they reduced the credit to 0%, um, were supposedly spurred, um, what did he call it, uh, irrational exuberance. But in actual fact, that wasn't spurring the irrational. Well, in actual fact, it was because people were taking out loans in order to buy, in order to buy shares on the New York Stock Exchange on Wall Street. Uh, a lot of people cashed in their pensions, and this was how a lot of the wealth that uh, the middle class had built up since World War II just disappeared. Uh, from the year 2000 onwards, that money just disappeared. It all ended up with the banks. And the interesting thing, another phenomenon that is uh, overtaken the United States is people can't afford to actually own their own homes. If you haven't inherited a home and if you're not working on Wall Street, you're going to probably struggle very hard, just like you are here in South Africa, to actually buy yourself a house. Um, and as a result of that, now you've got this whole thing kind of rolling out. We saw it here in South Africa back in 2000, the social housing, which means that you, you rent to buy. Ostensibly, you rent to buy, but you actually no one ever ends up buying because, you know, they move out of the, move out of the flat after five years. And um, so, like, uh, social housing is the big scam that the banks are taking because the banks have taken over millions of houses in the United States after the subprime crisis after the credit crunch of 2008. Um, there's over a million homes in the United States that are standing empty. And nevertheless, the United States has a homeless problem. Uh, so in actual fact, you see, so the United States doesn't have a homeless problem. It doesn't have a housing problem. It's got an economic oppression problem. And these are things that uh, Nabi Karim, sallallahu alayhi wa used to refer to in his day. Uh, that uh, it's the rise of the state in the final years, that is going to be a major dilemma facing ordinary people, ordinary Muslims and even ordinary non-Muslims. Uh, and, and, and that's what we're facing today. The state is actually becoming a raison d'etre in itself. The state is the reason why the state collects taxes, so that the state can make money. It's not to serve the people who pay the taxes. The state raises taxes in order to serve itself. It's a phenomenon that is happening very clearly in South Africa. We can see it every day. But we're not the only country. It's not like, oh, you know, we're just South Africans, we love to stab ourselves in the eye every time something nasty comes along. Well, look what's happening in the United States. Look what's happening with Europe. Uh, politicians are out of control everywhere. You get in there for five years and you've got, to, you've got to get as much money as you can in your five years and then the other party comes in. And like, you know, you, uh, countries where you've got an effective two-party system don't have real democracy because then the two parties just start handing power over to each other every four years or every ten years or every five years, such as in the United States. And the difference between the parties starts disappearing. 
And so it, it just turns into one gang versus another gang. The one gang says, now it's our turn to chow. And they get into government and they chow. Then they, they're the other gang outside government. They don't come up with any real policies. Uh, they just say, now we're going to fight corruption. So as soon as you hear a party come along saying that they're going to fight corruption, then you know that they're just going to be as corrupt as the people who are in power at the moment because they've got no other ideas other than saying we're honest, you can trust us. You can't trust people like that. Someone who comes to you and says we're honest, you can trust us, you can't trust them. Um, they don't have actually real plans and policies in order to change things around. So you look at the DA, you, you, you look at uh, the Democratic Party uh, in the United States. Uh, what are they going on? No, we're going on corruption, corruption, corruption. We're going to get Trump on this. We're going to get Trump on that. Um, I'm no fan of Trump. Uh, but uh, like, you know, the, 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 the Russian spying campaign. I mean, they're, they're, that's been going on ever since he came into power. And they still come up with absolutely nothing. Um, it's a bit like that, uh, the, the, the Salisbury murders with the KGB guys with the uh, Novichok, Novo, Novichok poison on the, on the door handles. Uh, and, and, and then uh, the two victims uh, disappeared or something. You know, they didn't die or something. And, uh, and uh, nevertheless, all these ominous kind of things and allegations are made. And we're all supposed to, you know, jump on the bandwagon and start hating, uh, start hating Russia. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's like empty, hollow. Um, the, the, the people that are making the allegations, uh, even like say you were a conservative party member, you, you, you couldn't credibly support them or believe them. And every time that happens, you know that the people that you're supposed to trust are not to be trusted. But people continue voting because there's nothing else to do. They don't know anything else. That's what you do. The system says you go vote and it doesn't produce a change. It's a bit like, you know, the, the, the politicians in the British Parliament, they keep on voting on Brexit, hoping something will change just because they voted on it. And it never does change. Theresa May isn't able to change the conditions of a Brexit because of the hardline Brexiteers in her party. Uh, the European Union uh, continues to say, oh, here comes that crazy Theresa May again. She's back again and she wants to sell us the same deals that we turned down the last time. Go away, Theresa, go away. She goes away and then she comes back again uh, with the same thing, the same nonsense. But, but, but we voted on it. We voted on it. Uh, voting isn't going to change anything, I'm afraid, when the whole system is messed. But nevertheless, that's what people do because it's the only thing they know. Here in South Africa, we're getting ready for May 8th election. Is it really going to make much difference? Well, you know, it could make a difference if the DA got in. But that would be even worse than having the ANC in. <coughs> So what do we do? Huh? We get uh, Nazi Israel's lapdog or the ANC. Now, is that really a choice? Is that civilization? Of course it's not civilization. It's a scam. It's a con. And uh, we're supposed to go to the polls again and stand in line again on May 8th and fill in a cross and hope it's going to make a difference. Mm, well, in my opinion, it's going to make absolutely no difference. In fact, I've decided this election I'm not going to vote. Everything is in Allah Ta'ala's hands. Everything is in Allah Ta'ala's hands. As it was in Allah Ta'ala's hands all the other times I did vote. Uh, things are in Allah Ta'ala's hands. Uh, I'm not going to... There's nothing worth voting for here. You see, everyone is going on about what we're voting against rather than what we're voting for. And there's nothing on the four table. There's only piles and piles of 
crazy, insane uh, stuff on the against table. And the against table is always going insane because it's always the enemy without rather than examining the enemy within. There's nothing, there's nothing on the four table. What are we fighting for? What are we fighting for? What are we voting for? We're all voting against something. We're voting against blackouts. We're voting against apartheid Israel. What are we voting for? Anyway, so European Union is going on about the unfair United States and their selfish approach to trade, saying it's not sustainable. I think they're quite correct. As I was saying before, I suddenly got taken off on that track over there. Uh, the, uh, the United States, I told my brother, is dismantling the very system that has made it strong. Uh, you, you, and, and you can see the system itself is starting to fail. The accountability of directors to shareholders is a problem that Western civilization did not solve. Uh, it resulted in the credit crunch. It was another problem that Western civilization did not solve. Instead, they've basically been printing money, but instead of printing money and giving it to everyone in the streets, they've only given it to their banking buddies. Uh, to prevent like massive uh, hyperinflation, which is what should be happening in the United States and Europe. Uh, and uh, I've said before, you know, maybe we should think about quantitative easing here in South Africa because, like, you know, 90% of our, of our debt is still at the moment locally owned. And so we are able to play that uh, uh, inflation-adjusting game. You know, if you let inflation run above 15%, within five years, all of your government, locally owned government debt is gone. And you don't even have to pay anything. You just let inflation run up. This is how uh, governments and banks are encouraged to collude together against uh, the people that they're supposed to be serving. This is how, like, you know, these are the, the, the actual workings of uh, Western intellectualism or civilization, they like to call it that. Uh, this is how Western intellectualism comes unhinged because the theory is really wonderful, but the practice is terrible simply because the connection between the two, which is supposed to be sincerity, is completely missing. Um, theories are put forward into the, 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 the private, the, the public sphere as excuses to rip people off rather than as a means of service delivery. And uh, that's a major problem that we are facing here. Now the European Commission, European Union is saying that it's too early, too early to say trade discussions are doomed to fail because the EU governments are now discussing the details of negotiating mandate for the Commission to go and negotiate with the U.S. trade representatives. The U.S. trade representatives say that they're still on, uh, on the wrong page, that uh, basically the European Union uh, is a plain and out-of-date playbook, despite dramatic changes including the rise of China and the evolution of the Internet. Uh, U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer told Congress last week the WTO was uh, just basically outdated, but he said he's nevertheless working diligently to negotiate new WTO rules. Now, you see, he has, he has, a, he has another issue here, that the United States is in actual fact turning on its NATO allies, and it is basically ditching them. The United States is saying we don't need our NATO allies anymore. We, 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 we know that they're so weak, they're going to have to stick with us. There's no ways they can go over to Russia. There's no ways they can go over to China because we're nice white people. And so they're going to have the white people are going to have to stick with the white people. The United States is very confident in the racism of Europeans. 
Um, <clears throat> I must, <clears throat> I must say that there you, you do get occasional bright spark, bright sparks in in Europe, and uh, he may be underestimating Europeans' resolve. But anyway, we'll we'll watch all of these world trade talks with a little bit of um, skepticism in the months ahead. Uh, it's not going to go away as far as I can see. Uh, former Steinhoff chief executive Market Joost and seven others are in, were involved in a 6.5 billion euro accounting fraud. Uh, the new chief executive of Steinhoff uh, told uh, Parliament today. Um, Steinhoff said an independent report, that's by the PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, accounting firm, had found uh, that Steinhoff overstated profits over several years in the fraud that involved a small group of top executives and outsiders. PwC conducted the independent investigation. Nevertheless, although it's only a small group of top executives, Steinhoff was not willing to name the individuals despite uh, being before uh, being protected by parliamentary privilege. Uh, they said that for legal reasons we're not going to release it. That has been okay when talking to, um, to j journalists who've got no power over you. But today's session in Parliament... Uh, the lawmakers instructed <coughs> Louis Dupria, who was appointed CEO last year, to reveal those names. So Dupria named former Chief Executive uh, Marcus Euster, former Chief Financial Officer Ben Lechranci, alongside six other people uh, who he said had inflated Steiner's profits and asset values over several years. I'd just like to point out that none of these people uh, implicated are black. Okay, These are honest Afrikaners. You know how honest the Afrikaners are, particularly when it comes to pointing out black criminality. Mm, well, it, it turns out that there were three fingers pointing back. Uh, so, like, these are white Afrikaners. These are white Afrikaners. Really chowing down. Uh, you know, making Jacob Zuma look like an amateur. Um, Joster, who resigned hours before Steinhoff disclosed the whole in its accounts in December 2017, could not be reached for comment through his lawyer. He has previously denied any wrongdoing. Lechranzi could not be reached for comment through his lawyer. So anyway, we'll leave that there at the moment. Now then, you know, okay, so things are looking a little bit brighter because PwC has brought out a report. So now let's turn to the Hawks and find out what they've been doing. Oh, no, the Hawks have been too busy investigating other politicians on behalf of other politicians who want those politicians to make the Hawks take those politicians out of the way. And they just haven't had time to do this. So well, what did the Hawks? The Hawks landed on the perch before the Parliamentary Committee. Um... And uh, Yunus, Karim, the Yunus Karim, the chairperson, uh, was not very happy with what they had to say. The Hawks are a number of groups ordered by the joint sitting of the three committees about the latest developments on the Stellenbosch headquartered retail conglomerate. Standard share price plunged off its auditors' flagged accounting irregularities in its book. Karim said today, feedback provided by the Hawks was uninspiring. He said basically you shouldn't have even come here. You should have said nothing has happened since the last time we were here. That's what you should have done. Um, but instead, uh, Lieutenant General Godfrey Lebea arrived there uh, to say uh, they're finalizing the investigation into a single transaction for fraud at Steinhoff. 
No, I don't know. Maybe this is like a silver bullet. I mean, it's going to go through the seven rings and it's going to go through uh, the hamburger that the man is eating and it's going to travel through between the two chain, train carriages and it's going to travel through the building, through the, through the window, through the other window on the other side of the building and it's going to hit its mark. Maybe the Hawks have chosen that kind of transaction to investigate. Maybe it's the silver bullet that's going to hit the mark and bring everything down. But it wouldn't appear by the uh, reaction of the uh, legislators uh, that uh, this is in actual fact the case. Uh, according to Lebea, we were almost ready to deal with one individual dealing with that one incident. We were almost ready. But now we've noticed there's 10 other transactions that are similar in nature and we need to pursue those as well. So basically he was showing a big forefinger to Parliament. Essentially the police are lawless and uh, are answerable only to themselves. He said all the incidents must be investigated together. So this is a bit like, like the ANC's notion of collective responsibility uh, where no one takes responsibility. And so then when it comes to uh, now we're going to have to take the pain of, um, of load shedding, now we must take a collective responsibility for that. No, sorry, sorry, ANC, but you're on your own. Um, and uh, so now the police, in order to avoid having the responsibility for anything, any single one thing, now they say, no, we must go investigate everything together. Why didn't you solve any crime cases in South Africa for the entire year? Well, we were trying to collate all of the crime incidents together so we could investigate it all at the same time, said the police. This is basically a lieutenant general's logic before parliament today. The MPs were not happy with this response, according to News 24. Uh, DAMP Alf Lease expressed his frustration that the Hawks only probed one transaction in an investigation that lasted over a year. I must say I'm expressing my um, frustration as well. He asked how it's possible that five people investigated a single transaction and yet it's still not complete. It's the biggest corporate fraud in the history of South Africa, he said, and you've only got one transaction and no one's been charged. Karim asked whether the Hawks had taken steps to secure access to the full PWC report. And I think uh, he then went and told the police, I'm ordering you to bring that report to us. So now whether or not uh, they're going to be able to get it out of Louis Dupria's uh, cold, dead fingers is another matter. Um, he was the only, he said earlier in his testimony, he was the only person at Steinhoff with a written copy of the report. He said electronic versions were available to a select few, but they cannot be printed. Steinhoff considers the legal report subject to legal privilege and is confidential. Uh, in response, uh, Labea said the Hawks had sensitive information that could not be made public at this point. How much information do they have? They've investigated one transaction. They've got a little bit of information, but even that information, they're not allowed to talk about it. Well, on that strange note, we are going to have to leave you. Uh, we've come to the end of the show. Jazakamla for joining us. Uh, make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today has been profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanallah, <laughs> 